Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. This season of Going There is brought to you by the fine folks at the Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson, who never stop working to create a future where disease is a thing of the past. This month's episodes of Going There focus on depression and are specifically presented by Publicis Health, the world's leading healthcare communications network. Publicis Health envisions a world where people are equipped and motivated to take control of their health, and they believe there is no health without mental health. To learn more about Publicis Health's mental health initiatives, visit www.publicishealth. That's www.publicishealth.com dot com slash mental dash health. Today we are talking with singer, songwriter, and musician Ari Leff, otherwise known as Lauv. Now many of you know Lauv from his smash singles, I Like Me Better and I'm So Tired. But Lauv has also written songs for artists like Boys by Charlie XCX and No Promises by Cheat Code featuring Demi Lovato. Lauv's debut album, How I'm Feeling, was released in 2020, and his second studio album, All for Nothing, drops August 5th and includes the single, Kids Are Born Stars. Lauv will embark on a North American tour in August and September, so check out Lauv's shows near you. And you can find more about all of Lauv's music, tour dates, and merchandise at lauvsongs.com. Now, on the Going There podcast, we have the tough conversations to address important issues so we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And one of the interesting things that happens when we focus on mental illness is that we often spend a great deal of time talking about how stressful, traumatic, and toxic experiences can negatively impact our mental health. And it is so important that we explore the connection between difficult, negative life events and our mental health. But unfortunately, a very subtle but potentially damaging thing that can happen in the conversation is that we don't tend to talk about how damaging it can be to our mental health when our lives are actually going well. Part of the stigma of mental illness is that people often don't understand and don't accept that mental illness can occur in the context of an otherwise healthy, productive, and thriving life. But in talking with many of our artists, we have found that actually their mental health often becomes worse when their lives in many ways become better, when they are chasing their dreams, when they are having success. Lav and I talk about how sometimes as we build our life, we can forget to take the time to check in with ourselves and see how we are doing, to be still, to be connected with ourselves. And the more we bypass that process of checking in with ourselves, the more we become afraid of that stillness. Soon what started as a healthy cycle in which we are building a fulfilling life also becomes a grind by which we are pushing ourselves harder and harder. We don't slow down to check in with ourselves and be still. And we become almost afraid of ourselves, afraid of being alone and how we might feel. And if we already had a predisposition to depression or anxiety, we lose the opportunity to take time to explore how we are feeling and how we can cope. 
And Lauf talks about how he addresses this issue using a term he called finding the light, which is a theme on his new album. And we discuss how through music and meditation, he's learned to slow down, take a break, and connect with himself in a more quiet and open way. And so that hopefully he can have the best of both worlds, where he can really put his heart and soul into his career and music, but still have the time and energy for self-care on his mental health journey. Now, as we progress through this season of going there, our goal is to bring you, the audience, further into the conversation. On the Consequence website and wherever you find these episodes, you'll also find a short questionnaire. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions you have that have been sparked by our conversations with these incredible artists, and topics you'd love to see addressed. We incorporate these responses into episodes, as well as a monthly column called Ask Dr. Mike on the Consequence website. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. These help other folks find their way into the conversation so they can go there with us. So let's go there and listen to what Lav has to say. Hey, Lav, welcome to Going There. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing good. So let's get right into it and talk about one of your songs that you feel like most represents your mental health journey. Yeah, I think... um for me, I think the beginning was really a song I made called Sad Forever, where I was kind of processing my first bout of major depression, where I was just really low. I kind of didn't really understand what was going on, but I knew I had to get out of that place. And I made the song and it actually kind of led me to create like a foundation uh, to take, you know, some of the money generated from sales and streams and start to try to like distribute it to other organizations that are just working in the space of mental health. Um, but really, yeah, it was like I wrote it in either end of 2018 or, or early 2019. And it was right around when I first got on like medication and was actually diagnosed with depression, OCD. And yeah, it was a crazy time. Now, depression and OCD manifest differently for different people. Do you feel comfortable just talking about how like what kind of symptoms you have with each one of those? Yeah, I mean, the, the way I see it, like I feel like I'm the type of person that my my like bouts of obsessive anxieties kind of lead me into a spiral that eventually sends me into bouts of being depressed because i feel like i just like work myself up so much and go so hard and i'm so far into my head about you know negative realities or whatever that i'm kind of obsessed with that i end up making myself really really low as opposed to it being like, I don't, I feel like that's usually kind of the order is like the, my cycles kind of go from like really anxious to then like depressed, but it's gotten better, better over the years. Yeah. And I think that happens for a lot of people who struggle with both anxiety and depression, particularly OCD, because, you know, for a lot of people, the anxiety is you think something could be wrong. And then when you're depressed, you know, something's wrong. And I think that right. when you go through those cycles, you get so depleted and it's repeated in your head so many times that you start saying, well, I guess this is just the way it is. It's not a maybe anymore. It's like a definitely. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to accept though. Like sometimes I still feel like I don't, I, I try to like act as if I'm not somebody who like, you know, still needs to be on medication and who needs to like really work on myself in that way. Like sometimes I kind of I don't know. After a few years of dealing with it pretty heavy, like I just start to get to the point where I'm like, I wish I could just escape this, you know? But yeah, no, that's a, I think that's a, a thing that a lot of people feel, even if treatment is working, right? There's this feeling that I think, and people who, who don't go through it maybe don't appreciate that even when treatment is working, 
it it still weighs on people pretty heavily. It's a lot of time. Yeah. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I feel like I spend a lot of time just literally just trying to take care of myself to be at a good baseline, you know? Yeah. And I think that one of the things that, that you've talked about before is the concept of loneliness. Yeah. And that's something that definitely people with depression wind up feeling. But I think whenever people have mental health issues, there's this sense that you kind of feel disconnected at times from the rest of the world. Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, I, I, one of the ways that I would kind of describe when I first like was really, really, really struggling in like 2019 was it felt like there was like some type of a blanket between me and anyone I was talking to or the world. So even if I wanted to connect, I just couldn't feel the connection. It just didn't, I don't know, everything was like a miss. And that was a really scary feeling. And I also feel like it sends you into these, or at least for me, sends me into these cycles where it's like, I isolate because I'm feeling ang- like really anxious or I'm having, you know, obsessive thoughts or I'm feeling really bad, you know? And so I isolate, but then that just makes it worse. And it's like, it's, it's kind of like hard, but also like rewarding over time to like learn how to be the strong person that you need to get yourself out of those cycles. Yeah. I think that it it's a very tough thing because to some degree, if we could tell everybody that, Hey, I, you know, kind of like, you know, right now when people have COVID or people have pneumonia or something, it's like, Hey, I just, I need a little bit of time and I'll pull back and I'll, I'll see you when I get out of it. In some ways it would be so great if people could do that for mental health issues, because sometimes it is really helpful to kind of retreat and, and take care of yourself. But there's always this fear that, people won't get it and they'll think that you're disconnecting for another reason. And so it's almost like we don't give people that same grace, if you will, when it comes to mental health issues. So it can yeah. really be damaging. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, and it's, it can be hard on relationships too, because it's, sometimes it's hard to communicate in those situations. Yeah. And the thing that you talk about, I think is something that a lot of people describe, which is the idea that I could be sitting here, I could be talking with someone and I could know intellectually that this is a good connection, but if I don't feel it, there's only so long I can believe it. Right. You know, because we we go so much from the gut in terms of how we feel about something that and and you know, depression and OCD definitely interfere with that. You know, you could be really, really, really having a great conversation, person on the other end may think like, wow, this is great. And you may even kind of know it is, but if you don't feel it at some point, it's not going to be the same for you. Yeah. That's, it's, it's actually crazy you say that. I definitely, I definitely relate to that in, in a lot of different ways. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, you know, getting on this topic of connecting to people is that one of the things sometimes you need to do in order to check in with yourself is to be still. Yeah. And you've talked about in, in the media, the idea that you get nervous with stillness or you get anxiety around stillness. Yeah. Which I thought it was a very interesting concept. Yeah. I, that's something I'm working on. I mean, that's why I meditate a lot is I'm just trying to get more comfortable in stillness, you know, and more comfortable just being with myself and being my own friend and realizing, I think I associate stillness with like, I have this like old belief that like still is boring and boring is not productive or like, you know, or something like that, that causes me to always need to be like going, doing and revving myself up. And I think I've come to realize that like when I'm actually still and I'm not like fake still, like when I really do slow my mind down, I feel great being still. Like it's actually like life is great. Like life is beautiful. And 
And that's really like something that like meditation has helped me so much, you know, to figure out is like, maybe there isn't inherently something wrong with me that I need to be figuring out 24 seven, you know, like maybe I'm just a person like all other people dealing with whatever I'm dealing with, but in a moment I can, you know, forget about that and just be here. And that's, I don't know. I feel like that's where like the power to make change comes from for me. Yeah. And it's, it's a cycle that I think a lot of people go through because once for whatever reason, a person's afraid of that stillness. Number one, if you're, you're trying to go with your gut and check in with your feelings, you're not a hundred percent sure what that data is anymore right. because you, you don't really know. There's like so many things that might cloud it. And then you're running, you're running, you're running, you're kind of assuming, well, I, I'm afraid of being still because being still, like you said, is boring or I have work to do. And at some point, then the question is, well, when do you ever check in right. with yourself? When do you ever really get to know yourself? When do you ever get to be a friend to yourself? Right. To me, it was such a weird concept. Like, I just never really liked being, I feel like, I don't know, at least for as long as I can remember, didn't really like being alone. I always wanted to be with friends. I always wanted to be with people. And if I wasn't, I was making music. But I've kind of found the older I've gotten, it's like, I need to be able to do more than if I'm alone, than sit and make music. Cause I can, I'm not always inspired and it's sometimes it's just too much. So like, I need to like learn how to just chill and like watch something or even just sit and read or sit in silence, like whatever it is. But I just find I'm such a person that is so like task oriented that I also find alone time really hard because I start assigning myself things to do and it's not fun anymore. Cause I'm like, there's no flow. Like, I feel like it's all about finding flow for me these days. It's just trying to figure that out. Well, I, I think what you're talking about actually is so important. And I, I definitely try when I'm working with people to talk about this. It's like when, when you get back to the concept of feeling alone in the world or feeling lonely, you know, you really, I, I personally think that you have to start with being your best friend. Yeah. And if you're already, you know, thinking to yourself, like, you know, think, think of yourself like your self-talk is the way if someone else was talking to you, it's like every time you're resting, like, oh no, you got to do this. Oh, you got to do this. Oh, you got to do this. It's like, man, you get, you get tired of that person after a while. Like it, it may point. sound like it's encouraging at first, but at some point it's just like, man, what's wrong with me that you, you, you keep telling me I got it. Like, I, I can't sit for a second. That's actually so true. Like I've never thought about it that way. The way, the way you're, the way you're explaining that makes a lot of sense why it's hard to be with myself because I do talk to myself very like, I feel like I'm so aggressive and like, you should do this. You got to do this. It's time for this. Do this. Well, aren't you worried about this? It's never like, it's never like kind. No, it's, and, and, and part of the problem that I would imagine just based on your career is, is, is part of the problem is, is that it, it works most of the time. Yeah. You know, if, if you're somebody who, you know, makes hit records or does good shows or, you know, it has fans, it's sort of like, well, you know, your friend, you know, your internal friend can be like, well, look, this has been working for us up until now, man, just kind of right. listen to me. And, and, and it's like, it, it is, but like, there's a cost and eventually that cost catches up. Like, yes, I am getting things in the world, but I don't like you. I don't like how it's happening. There's only so much of that I'm going to take. This is exactly what my, my whole album that I'm about to put out, this is exactly what, what like the whole journey of it was that is kind of realizing like, I have all this beauty in my life and like, you know, the success and so on and so forth. And yeah, like you're so right. Like it's worked, it's, it's all worked, but like, I'm not good with myself and I need to figure that out. You know, I need to find light again. I need to feel like a kid again. I need to 
feel free, which is, it's a weird thing to, I think for some people to, I don't know, it's a very, it's a very internal introspective battle, I guess. What Lauv is discussing here about taking time away from your work, no matter how creative or fun it may be, is something that Publicis Health CEO Alex Von Plato talks about being important, not just for herself, but for her team as well. It's something that can be more challenging than ever coming out of COVID isolation, but as she says, it's also never been more important. So how do you balance a job that may be taxing on your mental health with also taking care of yourself? I, I think that people, you know, well, speaking for myself, I'm pretty generous with myself. I know my rhythms and I'm not a morning person. Um, sacrilegious to say when you're, you're running a reasonably large company, but I hold up the morning as my time. And I really try and not to put anything on my calendar unless it's something that needs to be there and can't be anywhere else. And so anytime before 9.30, I hold out for my cup of coffee, my, you know, walkabout. Um, and I encourage people to put time aside for themselves and hold it, hold it sacrosanct. So, you know, that, that's, that's one thing. I think it's very hard to do for many people, but I think, especially in the post-COVID world, we've needed to learn how to to live at work, where we're all sitting in our living rooms and our lives are all around us. And it's very easy to let your work bleed into your life. And so you actually have to be a lot stricter with boundaries than you were before, because before your boundaries were, was the driveway or the subway. You know, once you, you had that, that screen change experience and now you don't have it. So how do you manage yourself around that. So we're, I try and be conscious of it and I try and make sure that my team remains more vigilant about when their work is really crowding out the rest of their life and to give them the ability to hold some time aside and give them the permission to not answer email after a certain time, to not, you know, respond to things over the weekend. And I've had to discipline myself to actually I'm, I'm trying to be more sensitive to that and encourage my senior leadership team to be more disciplined themselves. Well, you know, this thing about being a kid, because I, I, I read you had said something about that, too. And like for me, you know, being far, far into middle age and like starting to get into the, you know, <laughs> the back nine, if you will, like I, I think that the whole key to being an adult is figuring out how to still be a kid. That's you so know, everybody cool. like when you're growing up is sort of like, all right, well, you can't be a kid anymore. You got to grow right. up. You gotta, it's like, yes, that's, that's true on some level, but, but what's the, what's the point of it all? If right. you're not maintaining that, that kind of innocent feeling, that innocent connection with yourself, that kind yeah. connection with yourself, it's sort of like, okay, so what are we doing this all for? If that right. part isn't in place. Yeah, because without it, it's all pretty loveless. It's all pretty like machine. I don't know. Well, no, and that's and that's what it is. And I think I think it gets back to, and again, tell me if I, I don't remember if you said this while we were talking or if it was something I read about this idea of deserving to be happy. Yeah, that yeah, you didn't yeah. feel like you deserve to be happy, and it's sort yeah. of like it's so subtle and it's so because I'm sure you didn't start off right. I'm sure this for you it was like 
you know, you like good at music and you're, you know, getting into things. I'm sure you didn't start being like, oh, I don't deserve to be happy. Therefore, I'm going to push myself into music. I'm sure it was a much more subtle connection. But when yeah. you really ask a lot of people, it's like, do I deserve to be happy? They'll be like, well, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know, to be honest, like, I, I don't feel like I deserve to be happy. Like when I hear myself saying that even, I'm kind of like, whoa, 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 you got like, you got homework to do. I'm always like, I'm still back right. in high school. Like I got, I got homework to do, you know? Right. Which is so and wild. It's something about that. Yeah. So I feel like everybody deserves, deserves a chance at happiness. You know, I feel like that's like, regardless of everything else around you, like, I feel like that's the thing that would kind of heal it all, you know, is to be able to give yourself unconditional love and happiness is that seems like the key. I don't yeah. Know. No, but the thing, the thing that's tough though, and uh, you tell me, tell me what you think. Cause again, mm -hmm. I think, and, and you can tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong about this, but I'm, I make assumptions that when I see people who are successful at what they do, there's really no, there's no accidents on that. Like some people will say like, Oh, this person, you know, they got lucky they, in, in this world. There's, there's no luck. If you got to where you are, you had to absolutely like put in the effort. There's just no way. Like you're at the you're at the top of like everyone is trying to climb the mountain that right. you are climbing, right? Like you know, rock star is one of you know, or pop. However you you think of yourself, like is one of the mountains. So you had to have pushed yourself. So the thing is that I think a lot of people struggle with is they think that like if they love themselves, they'll start to kind of ease back a little bit. Mm, this is and I'm kind of curious. Yeah, this is super. Yeah. Well, one, I mean, I do feel like, you know, I have to also acknowledge that, like, I feel like I definitely have worked so hard, but I also, you know, was born into a situation where my family, I, I didn't really have to like work a bunch of day jobs or anything like that growing up. So I, I was, my parents were super supportive and like, you love music. Like, let's just, you should just be doing music, you know, like you love it. And like, so I'm really thankful for that, but there definitely also was this like super intense drive and this super intense need to just like keep going and be really competitive with myself and all of that. And I do, I mean, I feel you, it's like the self-love thing. I think the more that I, I, I'm still kind of in that journey. I feel like the more that I learn to love myself, like truly just as a person, not as like an output, not as like love myself for what I make or what I do or, or, you know, what I say, but just for existing, I do find that I am less like gung ho about needing to be grinding all the time. But I also think at a certain point, the grinding started to be for nothing because it was like, I think you have to like, there's like the other ingredient, which is like the inspiration. And there's like the life, there's like the life, like a uh, life force behind it where it's like, yeah, like maybe you have to go through phases where you have to like, I'm just, I guess I'm speaking just for, as a musician, like, and as a songwriter, like experience stuff, surrender to the process, not be having so much output and then come back and start working really hard again. Because I feel like for me, I just get stuck in these like, cycles where it's just, I assume like, oh, if I'm not doing anything, I should just work. If I'm not doing anything, I should just work. I should just work. But it's like, I haven't experienced anything else new to make anything great out of. So it's just sort of like empty. Yeah, it's, it's, and I think that this is something that I find is one of the toughest things for people to do. Like, cause you know, a lot of people say like, oh, negative thoughts are irrational or they're distorted or whatever. And, and certainly with OCD, there, there can be thoughts that we have that feel just like there's a, like something in our brain is just tripping over and over again. Right. But for the most part, we don't tend to think things for no reason. 
You right. know, we may not understand the reason. And I think that one of the things that one of the reasons why we have really negative thoughts is because that's the only way we figured out how to drive ourselves yeah. up until that point. You yeah. know, is that, that that we kind of almost like implicitly made a decision at some point. Well, I'd rather drive myself now and be a little bit miserable than not drive myself and later on like sort of be like, oh God, I wish I did. Right. And and so one of the things that I, I really try to work on with people is to say like, well, but you already, like, you now know that you can do it. So the question is like, you know that you have the drive, you know that you have the tenacity, you know you can do the grind. The question is, can you do it from a place of being kind to yourself? And right. I'm telling you, people freak out at that idea because they're yeah. terrified that if they give up, it's like they, like that self-criticism becomes like, it's, the, it's, it's, your, it's like your, your shitty asshole friend, but it's your friend. Right. You know, like it's the one that's going to like back you up at a bar, but probably maybe right. started the bar fight to begin with. Right. And you're kind of like, oh, I, he's such a dick. But like, I don't know that I want to give him up exactly because, right. you know. No, that's so interesting. Yeah, that, it, it's a tough one. It's like, yeah, finding that balance, I guess. I mean, how do, how do you, how have you tried to do it so far? Like, have you, like when you're struggling with like, okay, I want to be kind to myself, but I still want to, you know, go out there and put you know, I, music is such a craft, like it, right. it demands such a, such an energy is like, I'm just kind of curious if you feel like you've been able to get to that other side of it. I feel like I'm just very much on the way. Like, I feel like it's now for me, it's just about like picking my moments, like picking the moments to be conscious and aware that like, Hey, I really don't need to be hard on myself right now. And it's not going to help. And, and I need, I need a break and I need to just feel good. And I need to just accept whatever's happening. And then there's the moments where I like, you know, if I'm really in the process of making something where I'm like, okay, like now it's time to turn on the, the, you know, the perfectionism and criticism a bit, you know, I would say, yeah, like kind of like picking my moments is important. And that's, that's cool. Like the idea that, that, you know, you kind of have control over that. Like I can like sort of being able to look at your life through different lenses, but yeah. actually know that you can pull back the lens or, or push it up if you need. Like, I feel like it's like two different people inside of me. Like, and so it's like learning how to be, how to adjust to the kinder version of myself, like to be kind to myself. It feels really uncomfortable a lot of the time. Like it doesn't feel like the normal me, you know? I don't know if you, if you can relate to that. No, I, I, well, I unfortunately can personally relate to that, uh, in a horrific way. Um, there is, there is something about when you've done something so many times. And, th and this is one of the things that happens with depression and OCD. Like a lot of people will be like, oh, you become depressed, you become anxious because you have low self-esteem. It's like, I don't think it's that way at all. I think that that feeling that you can't control your thoughts and your emotions undermines your sense of yourself. And I think that that's what then leads people. It's, it's not self-esteem leads to depression. I think mm. it's depression leads to low self-esteem because it becomes, it's, it's so much in your head. It's with you all the time, right. right? It's a depressed OCD that that becomes normal, quote unquote, whether you like it or not. Right. And then the idea of like, well, I'm like, even when we're talking about being still, it's like, whoa, that's abnormal. Right. And, and the whole key is to get, is it's kind of like when people want to start exercising, it's like for the first however long exercise, like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then you get to some point later on, we're not exercising 
starts to feel really crappy. Right, 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 right. And that's like the part that everybody tries to get to, I think, with their anxiety and their depression. It's like, can I get to the point where this is more, uh, this is the the exception or the anomaly rather than the rule? So true. Yeah. Like, but I think it's scary because it's also really, at least for me, easy to identify like with that part of myself, that part that drags me down, you know, or only gets in my way. Um, so sometimes... You know, if I know the right thing to do is I can't think my, I can't think my way out of this one. I got to get up and I got to go take a walk or do something simple or I got to go meditate or I got to, I know that I have to just start doing, but like sometimes the, the grip of the mind is so strong that it's just like, no, you want to stay right here with me and you want to let me tell you like, what's up. And it's like, no, I don't, but okay, I guess I will. It's like, no. And I, I, I hear you because I, I think that, and, and my read of the research is that behavioral approaches to uh, particularly depression can be very effective. I think anxiety as well. Sometimes you have to say, I get it. I could have this conversation for a long time. I just got to put myself in a different place. And I, right. I, know, I know for me, like I eventually over time, I got into a thing where whatever was going on, I would just be like, look, I got to do the same thing. I got I to gotta eat something, rest, go to the gym eat something, right. rest, go to eat something health, like kind of like decadent healthy, like something that's like not too healthy that I don't enjoy it, but not yeah. like it's going to knock, you know, you know, kind of like knock the wind out of me. And I whatever if I did that for a few days, for some reason, no matter what, I would, I would do it like two or three times a day. And no matter what was happening, for some reason, I was like, all right, my, I, I, it's just I'm clearer now. And at, that's when I started getting out of the habit of like, so trying to like talk my way out of it. I was like, I was like, I, I can't do it. I gotta like physically. And it, and the thing is, is that it's tough for people who can't then get out of bed. Right. When depressed, you know? Right. Wow. That's amazing though, that you, that you were able to like, just build that, like actually build that routine. It, well, but you know, thank you. It was, it was after a lot of years of trying things that just did not work, yeah. you know? And I, I don't remember how I stumbled on it. Um, it was, it was, but once I did it, like, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, you know, but that was all presuming being able to get up. And I know a lot of people when they're depressed, they're OC, like, you know, or they have OCD, they feel like they're, they can't mobilize. And so one, you know, like, like one of the things I'll say to people is like, look, if you're sitting, if you're lying down, try to sit up. If you're sitting, right. try to stand. If you're standing, right. try to walk. Right. After you're walking, it's like, I mean, you could walk more because it's like walking will usually get you there. Right. That helps sometimes people like kind of put it in a frame. But if you can get there, that that to me has always been that combination, like for some reason clears my head. Yeah. I'm, I'm not 100% sure why. Yeah. No, I still need to find that for myself. Like, I just feel like I'm, I'm very much I have such a stubborn mind that I just kind of trap myself instead of actually doing the things I need to do. Yeah. And in some ways it's almost, it's some, it's almost like one of the things that I think got in the way for me was I was too focused on what I needed to do. And I didn't give myself permission to do what I felt then I had to do for right. my mood. Right. And that was like a first pivot was like, I was like, I got to do work. I got to do work. I got to do work. It's like, guess what? Like you've been trying this for like 20 years and you don't do any work. Right. So instead of not doing any work for like a week, you know, why don't you not do any work for like two days, you know, right. and uh, that kind of a thing. So that, that was part of it, that like permission giving, but man, I, that it, it took, it was a long time. 
before I would even consider that, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was kind of going to ask you about at some point, you know, we've already talked about a lot of the things that it sounds like you're doing, like there's meditation and there's, there's self-talk and, you know, for a lot of people. And one of the reasons why we do the podcast is that music is, is such a big part of how people get through things, whether it's, it's listening or in your case, performing. And you mentioned that the album feels like a journey. And so I just wanted to, to kind of come back to that, to talk about how you use that to cope with some of these things that we're talking about. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the album is very much like, kind of like, I feel like a memoir of like the light and dark sides of trying to find kind of like innocent, good happiness again, and self love and self worth. And, you know, as you grow up and, you know, um, there's kind of a lot of different sides to it. You know, there's this, there's the struggle side, there's the shortcut side, and then there's like, you know, the true, the true kind of happiness side. But, you know, one song on the album, there's a song called Hey Ari, that's very much like a, I would say like a mid album check-in with myself, kind of just being like, are you really happy? You know, cause I was kind of that time. Um, I think, you know, part of my mental health journey has also been in some, some ways not accepting it and trying to find ways around it, you know, um, whether that's sometimes relying on in the past, having like relied on like substances and stuff like that to try to like get around that. But yeah, that song was a very kind of heavy one for that. And, you know, can I tell you, it's, it's such an interesting thing that you're talking about because the, the whole concept of having that relationship with yourself and, and to some degree not being lonely because you can connect to yourself in some ways. One of the things that I find very difficult is that when you're depressed, when you're anxious, it's almost feels like, you know, we're talking about how that other part of you is, is being mean, but sometimes we can be sort of like screaming out. You know, like if you think about the two parts of the part of you that's depressed and anxious, the part of you that's self-critical as almost being these two separate parts of you having a conversation. And it's so important, I think, as a way of validating people as a human being to say, listen, I know you're yelling it, you know, and I know that you're yelling the depression at me or you're yelling the OCD at me. But let's take a pause and just listen to what you're actually talking about. You know, and I think that people don't listen to their depression. They don't listen to their anxiety. They mm -hmm. just, they just want to shut it up. Mm -hmm. And I think that that concept of not running from oneself is such a big part, such a pivot, I think, for people having a more healthy mental health journey, because now you're listening to yourself. Yeah. Now you're talking to yourself instead of being like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that took me, that's been probably the, the hardest part for me is actually like, is, is listening to like the genuine things that are going on inside, not just the irrational whatever and not running away from it. Cause it's so much easier to run away from it. It's just so much easier. Cause, cause one of the things that's very tough for people is that, you know, a lot of quote unquote happiness is, is quite frankly predicated on ignorance. Right. Like, I mean, if any, everyone was really thinking about all the things that are going on in their lives in the world, it can get really heavy really quick. And I right. think that unfortunately, people who are depressed or anxious aren't generally speaking, actually being irrational. They're actually like picking up on like rumination as an example. People like kind of really work through things and they're, they're, they're thinking about things deeply. And that that's something that's a very tough thing because it's like, uh, I, don't, I, I, I wish I was being irrational. I wish I was right. just being whatever. It's more like, no, you're, you're 
you're picking up on something, but what do you do with that? Right. You know, it's like, I can listen to you and I can listen to you have all these like deep thoughts, but it doesn't mean that that has to be the only part of the conversation or the final part of the conversation. Right. That's yeah. such a tough balance, you know, cause when yeah. we're depressed or anxious, the thoughts get, get very heavy. Yeah. And they become more and more addicting. I feel like. Yeah. I think, well now tell me when you say addicting, like what, how does that play out? Like, I just feel like I'm like, I find comfort in just being caught in the loops, you know, or ruminating or it just feels for the longest time, it just felt more like me than anything else. So it's just like, like when I was sad, I would just listen to more sad music and I would like, it would get a high off of like making myself dwell in more sadness. Like it would just be like not trying to get myself out of it. And it was just like digging it further and further. And I feel like that was something that I was kind of going through at a lot of stages too. It's just like. I don't know. I don't know what, if that's a chemical thing or what it is, but. I, I think, to, you know, to me, at least the way I talk with people about it is, is that as painful as it is, it can also feel very authentic. Right. You know, it's like, it can feel very much like, listen, I'm not happy that this is me, but this is part of me. Right. And, you know, it's kind of like when you tell someone, you know, someone tells you to shut up. You're just going to keep saying it louder right. until like, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not shutting up here. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like you could listen to me or not, but once you, I think that what happens for a lot of people is that they avoid, they avoid, they avoid. And that part of them wants to be heard so much that depression, their anxiety, that when you then, you know, kind of lean into it a little bit, there can be a relief. It's like, all right, finally, someone's yeah. listening to me. It's like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and I think the key is, at least from my perspective, is the key is to listen early and often, yeah. you know, rather than what happens for most people, my, myself definitely included, is that you try to put it off for as long as you can. And by the time then you do listen, it's like been so built up. It's so overwhelming. I'm only right. listening because I, because I'm having trouble like getting out of bed or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that's, that's amazing doing like just the more often checking in. Yeah. It's, 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 and that it's very it's very tough. Um, it's cool. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's just, it's very impressive that you're doing it at this point in your life. I'll be honest. Like I, I, I'm not exactly sure how old you are, but just like sort of guessing like it, it, it took me a lot longer than this to get to where you're at. Um, you know, to even be thinking about this stuff, quite frankly. I'm just, yeah, I'm thankful. I mean, I definitely feel like there's so much more information available and I, I've just had friends who have, you know, early along the way had been kind of going through their own stuff before I was even really aware of what it meant to be dealing with even something as simple as anxiety or depression. Like I had like no idea and just kind of being made more aware. And I'm also just such a curious and introspective person. So I just feel like I've just over the past few years, like, I don't know, I just always want to know more. <laughs> well, and, and if you don't mind me asking, um, cause I'm just kind of curious about the blue boy foundation yeah. because one of the things that you're doing obviously this is this is your personal mental health journey but you're you're involved with something that's designed to help other people with theirs i'm just kind of yeah. curious how all this stuff relates to how you approach your foundation yeah i mean so with the foundation it's it's um it's kind of gone through different stages there's been times where we've actually like kind of hosted like um, online conversations and stuff like that and, um, done more activation, like whatever active things. But I think more recently I've come to realize, like it got to the point where I was trying to manage it 
so much so that I also wasn't really taking care of myself. So now the foundation's a bit more, I just see it as like, there's a lot of organizations that are doing amazing work that this is what they do professionally every single day. These people like literally live and breathe this stuff. And I'm a, I'm a musician, you know what I mean? And if I can just set aside money and, you know, just whatever, help fund other people that do this for a living. I think that's more so long kind of like where I'm at lately. Cause I think for a long time I wanted to take on more and more and more and just like, I don't know. I think once I kind of started going through my own journey, it was like this, I don't know. It just had this sense of like power and like owning it for myself and being like, wow, like, I can't believe like, if I feel this way, I know so many other people are feeling this way and like dealing with this, like, how can, how can I help? Or like, how can I, you know, and th- I'm thankful for the past few years too. I just feel like this conversation has gotten so much more, just so much more normalized. It's just, you know, I mean, at least, at least in, in parts of the world. And so that's, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I think what you're talking about is something that, that happens for people a lot, which is that, especially when you've gone through something that first instinct is like, once you get an inkling of like how you might want to help yourself, it's like, Oh, and I want to help everybody else too. And, 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 you know, and, and for a lot of people helping others can really help your own mental health to a point. Right. And I think that that's something, you know, that idea that people say you got to, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first. That is something that, you know, cause a lot of people think that you get depleted only because of, of quote, like, you know, bad things, if you will. But a lot of people get depleted because they're out there really doing good things that actually feel good. And then they don't realize that it's still stress. Right. You know, so you're out there like working on your foundation, working on your music, fans, whatever. These are all, these are all great things, but they still deplete somebody and it leaves you with fewer resources to manage your own stuff. That's exactly what, that's exactly honestly what I was, what I was going through is I think I was so out of touch with checking in with really how I was feeling and, and knowing how much I could take that I was always just like, I can take more, I can do more, I can do more, I can do more, you know, endlessly. And then, then it kind of was just like, wait a second, but what about Ari, the person inside that, you know what I mean? We got to take care of, got to take care of him, you know? No. And it's, it's, it's really tough to make that call to actually set boundaries and to prioritize yourself because i you know it goes it goes against everything you've been talking about about what feels normal about what feels right right, about what you should do all that kind of stuff right it's weird it is so we come to the part of the show where we ask you about you know this is music that you're now doing that is going to help others in terms of connecting or opening their eyes or starting a conversation on mental health. Uh, what were those songs or those artists or those albums for you that first got you kind of either gave you comfort when you struggled or got you thinking about this stuff? Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like, I feel like there hasn't been a lot of music that like directly that I've listened to that directly speaks about this kind of stuff that's been the music that I've kind of found solace in. It's always been like, and I think through some, through some of my hardest times, honestly, like for whatever reason, I listened to so much Coldplay and there was some type of solace I would get in the abstract lyricism and the melodies that would just bring me a shit ton of comfort that it's always kind of been, I feel like it's always been kind of like random music that I can't really explain why, but I lean on a lot in hard times. There's just like certain albums, like there's this album called Outer Peace by Toro Imoa, 
that for some reason, I, I don't know why, just that when I was going through a really tough time, I would listen to that album like on repeat, like all day. I think I kind of just find spaces that feel good for me and just kind of like operate in them and think in them. And, and yeah, whether or not, if it's like directly speaking to the issue, which is interesting. No, but I think what you're talking about is, is a really cool way of using music, which is just yeah. to say like, look, if, if it speaks to me, it's, it's relevant to me and right. you don't even have to question why it's just right. like, this is what speaks to me right now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, that's the cool thing about music. Yeah. It's like sometimes my logical brain wants to like, be like, Oh, like, well, here's the reason. But sometimes stuff just like hits you and you don't really understand. And yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, yeah. You know, thank you for having me. Yeah, no. And congratulations on all your success and, and, you know, being out there as a mental health advocate, it, it, it means a lot to people. And so I very much appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. This is amazing. So there it is. Lauv talking about how he finds the light. Now, there is so much to take away from the conversation with Lauv, but one of the things I wanted to talk about was his discussion of how listening to music was a way of how he found spaces that felt good for him. One part of the stigma of mental illness is to judge, criticize, or demean people who struggle with mental illness. And part of that stigma is when we choose to not value our mental health unless there is a very clear stressor or problem in someone's life. But that's not how mental illness works. Like any health problem that has a physical component, it can be present whether our lives are going well or not. And unfortunately, even when things are going well for us, we can still be under a great deal of stress. So much of the world today seems to be about asking us to sacrifice as much of our mental and physical health as we can to achieve our other goals. Whether it's working hard at our education or our career, building friendships and romantic relationships, and even taking time to participate in our hobbies or passions, we often have to sacrifice our mental health and well-being to do it. We are less likely to sleep, exercise, or eat healthy food. We may use substances too much. And we often intentionally or unintentionally don't take the time to check in with ourselves and see how we are doing. We think that if we don't spend a half hour meditating or journaling, we could get more work done or call a friend or take care of an errand. And in that moment, we're probably right. But over time, if we don't build in time to check in with ourselves, be still and comfortable with ourselves, including our feelings of emptiness, loneliness, anxiety, and depression, we will soon find ourselves running away from and avoiding those experiences. And eventually, those experiences, if left unexamined with no opportunity to cope, will leave us at risk for damaging our mental health as we pursue our other life goals. And that's why it's so important to learn from Lau's experience and make our emotional well-being a priority throughout our lives, not just when we are struggling. And that's how we can always make sure we keep finding the light that is so crucial for our mental health journey. I want to thank Lauv for this wonderful conversation and Alex Von Plato of Publicis Health. This season of Going There is brought to you by the fine folks at the Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies of Johnson & Johnson, who never stop working to create a future where disease is a thing of the past. This month's episodes of Going There focus on depression and are specifically presented by Publicis Health, the world's leading healthcare communications network. Publicis Health envisions a world where people are equipped and motivated to take control of their health and they believe that there is no health without mental health. To learn more about Publicis Health's mental health initiatives, visit www.publicishealth.com. That's www.publisishealth.com slash 
mental-health. I also want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction, and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-4357. If you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You may also go to the Sound Mind Live and Consequence websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at the Crossroads.